This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, and we're chasing our way into episode number 23. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I'm here today with episode 23 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. I want to let you know today about some things that are coming up with naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I've been working on a redesign for the site for, oh, probably about the last five months, and it's finally ready to roll. I'm doing the finishing touches on most of the pages and the design, but there's already one little page on the website that's been converted over to the design just for me to test and make sure that everything looked okay. If you've happened to come across that page, you may wonder why the entire uh, remainder of the site looks different, but it's not a, a page that gets a lot of people there, so you probably haven't seen it. I'll stop rambling about that. What I'm saying is that I'm really, I'm excited about the redesign. The redesign is going to be a lot cleaner. It's going to be a lot more usable for you because it's mobile friendly. So you can see it on whatever device you're on and the content will fit your device no matter what you're using. An iPhone, an Android phone, a tablet, it doesn't matter. What you're reading on, it will fit your device. And that's something that I've gotten a lot of questions about and a lot of comments about because the current design is not mobile ready. So I'm excited about that because I think it's going to increase the access to naturalbirthandbabycare.com and when you refer your friends and loved ones to naturalbirthandbabycare.com they'll be able to check out the site and the information on it no matter what they're viewing on. The site redesign is going to be rolled out in stages and I'm really hoping to get it rolled out over the next few weeks. That's the real reason that I'm talking to you about it today, not just because I'm excited about it, because I'll be more excited about it in a few weeks when I can tell you that it's done and, hey, go check it out. But I'm telling you about it today because the next two podcast episodes are probably going to be Q&A episodes. I usually do one episode that features major content and then do a Q&A episode from listeners and newsletter readers. I'm going to do two Q&A episodes in a row so that I can essentially have some time off from the podcast from coming up with the or researching the information that I do to give you a feature podcast because the Q&A episodes are a little bit easier because usually they're questions that I've heard before and have already answered or they only require a minimal amount of research on my part because they're not generally really complex questions. So I'm going to go ahead and record a couple of Q&A episodes with questions that I've gotten. If you would like me to cover your question, then go ahead and send it in because I'll probably be recording those next week. That's next week from when you're hearing this episode. And if you go ahead and send me your question, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com or just go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com and click the contact button. Or you can go to birthbabylife.com and click the contact button. It takes you to the same place. And send me your question. Then I will work to get that into one of the next couple of episodes so that I can cover that and make sure that it's exactly what you want. 
and then I'll come back with a feature episode after the next two episodes. That way I can get the Q&A episodes done and I can actually record them at the same time and that will give me more time to get the website redesign live because uh, I'm not exactly a one-woman show, but we're definitely a one-family show because it's just me and then my husband Scott helps me with some of the technical stuff. But really, this is this is mostly me, and I've gotten I've gotten so far on the design, and I can't wait to show it to you. So my next two three weeks are really going to be hyper focused on that. I want to make sure that I get out a podcast for you, but I'm not going to spend I can't spend tons of time doing both things at once. Multitasking doesn't work. There's a great hint for you, mamas and daddies out there. Do one thing at a time. So we'll have two Q and A episodes of the podcast coming up next. And then we'll move back into our features. Today I do have a feature for you though. Today we're covering a topic that has been one of the most requested topics for me to cover in depth. It's also a topic that I feel like I have a pretty good amount of experience with. Because it's what to do with your uh, toddler when you have a new baby. And we've covered something like this before, toddlers and pregnancy and preschoolers and pregnancy. Now we're going to talk about toddlers and preschoolers after the new baby has come. Some suggestions are pretty similar. Others are unique to this time. The thing that's most important about this is even though we're talking about after the new baby comes, the best preparation happens during pregnancy. So at the same time you're shopping for clothes for your newborn or you're getting out the baby clothes from storage and watching them, and doing all of those baby preparation things, that's also the time that you want to do preparation for a smooth start for your toddler and his or her new sibling. The biggest thing that I would encourage you to do is develop a routine. This can be hard to do sometimes when you're in pregnancy, and some moms just feel overwhelmed by it, period. But developing a routine for you and your toddler while you're pregnant or you and your preschooler while you're pregnant will pay off a lot. This doesn't have to be elaborate and I would not recommend that it include things like a lot of outings or a lot of mommy and me classes. These are things that you want to be fairly normal and also fairly simple. Late pregnancy is a good time to work on this, those last couple of months of pregnancy because you're slowing down anyways to more of a toddler speed. I would recommend you hinge the routine on meal times. So have a regular wake-up time, a regular breakfast time, a regular lunch time, a regular dinner time, and then a regular bedtime. It's surprising to me how many people don't have this regular, but then at the same time it's not surprising to me, especially if you only have one child. Because with my first child, we didn't really have a regular routine until I managed to get my hands on some books and heard some advice from more experienced moms and realized that, oh, my second child is coming along and my first two were only 18 months apart, so they were pretty close. And I realized, hey, I've got to be ready because I'm about to have a newborn and a really young toddler who's still just a baby herself. And that's when I really first developed a good routine and it was wonderful for the first few months of Asher's life when it was just myself, Asher, and my toddler. And we just had this simple daily routine that we went through, and it was it was very peaceful. There have been a lot of times of my life since then that 
are really happy times and really wonderful times. But that was probably one of the smoothest times of my life up to that point. Once I had moved past uh, early childhood, life was kind of a roller coaster for me for quite a while. But that time when it was just Cassidy, just Asher, and just me together, and just we had a simple daily routine, and once he was a few weeks old, we would also go to the library for story time once a week. So we had a, a weekly routine going on there too. But our days just went smoothly. Some moms, I know you balk at that or you feel worried because maybe that'll be really monotonous to have a daily routine and I like spontaneity and my child will get bored. But really, children who are used to a simple daily routine don't get bored by that. Just like babies like routines, and we've talked on the podcast before about baby routines. I'll link to that podcast in the show notes. But just like babies like routines, toddlers and preschoolers also tend to thrive on routine and when their routine is upset there can be problems which I think it's good to have some flexibility in routines and something that intentionally upsets things from time to time so that your child can learn to handle that but the beauty of a routine for a toddler and a preschooler is that it's very safe and very happy for them and it can make your life a lot easier so do invest time in creating a routine. Again, go back to those major points of the day, waking and then the meals and also snacks and then the bedtime and really work on getting into a routine from these things. If your child is used to waking at any time in the morning or you're used to waking at any time in the morning, I would recommend that you go ahead and set a wake-up time. And if you guys are used to just falling asleep whenever at night you finally fall into bed exhausted, it's probably time to work on a bedtime. And then the meal times. And one big benefit of having this routine is that, well, first of all, it will make life a lot easier for you once you're uh, two to three, four weeks postpartum and you're ready to get back into life. And you're not just kind of sitting on the couch covered in milk and new baby and being uh, intoxicated by your new baby's sweet smell. But this, so that's one big benefit that it'll be there for you then. But the other huge benefit is that during that first week or two, when you're really involved in the new baby, somebody else can come in and you can say, this is when we normally have mealtimes. Say, Daddy, you might be home uh, from work. You might have time off of work during those first couple of weeks. And if Mama can say, this is what the routine is normally like, you can step in and help make sure that those mealtimes, those excuse me, sleep times are happening on the normal schedule. Or maybe grandma or grandpa or an aunt or an uncle or a neighbor or a postpartum doula. Somebody else is going to step in and help handle those things while you're in the first few days with your new baby. That's often a case. And it's comforting for the child to know that the routine is similar. And also things like meals, exactly what you eat for meals, are going to be similar too. It's comforting to the child. It holds the child It's not to say that you're replaceable because you're not, but those are things that are external of you and can be used to bring comfort and security to your child when so much about mama is different because the whole identity of mama and the child's whole identity is shifting slightly because no longer are you just mama to me, the child, but you're also mama to me and new sibling. And I'm no longer just the child, but I am now the child and the sibling from the little one's point of view. Or I only had older brothers and sisters, but now there's a new baby. You're introducing a new dynamic 
no matter what the situation is or what your family makeup is now, you're introducing a new dynamic for your toddlers and preschoolers. And a routine can hold them and nurture them through that transition. Not to mention having a simple routine where you know when things need to happen can help you to smooth your way back into things as you're getting back into things and they help you get your baby set up with something that's comforting to your baby too at first. For instance, if you know that you always give your little one a snack at 10 a.m., then you may look at the clock at 9.20 or 9.30 a.m. and say, it would be a good time to have the baby nurse because I know that he or she nurses for about a half an hour and then I need to make my toddler a snack at 10 And you get the baby used to nursing at that time. And that kind of becomes the baby's routine. Or to use a more taboo word, the baby's schedule. It becomes what the baby knows. And the baby moves relatively smoothly into the schedule. Of course, things don't always happen like this. This is talking in theory and in an ideological fashion. And there are going to be days when the baby is crying and the toddler is crying and you're crying and that's okay. And there are going to be days when the baby's really cranky, but the toddler's kind of mellow and rolls with the punches. There will be days when the toddler's really cranky and the baby's kind of mellow and rolls with the punches. There are going to be variations. But in general, this routine can hold you. It can hold your child. It nurtures you. It helps everybody know what to expect. It removes the need to think for you because sometimes thinking and making decisions is very stressful as mothers. But when you're just following the same routine, that helps you ease your mind and it helps baby ease into the routine. So aside from meals and snacks, some other things that you can include are something like a morning walk or a mid-morning walk for those of you who are in a colder climate. It's turning to fall here while I'm recording this and I'm certainly reminded that it's chillier and it's easier to take the little ones out on a walk mid to late morning than in the early morning when it's really crisp. Um, So just take your little ones out on a walk That can be part of the routine and go at at a toddler preschooler pace where they can kind of toddle along and look around. Don't be in a rush. And they'll enjoy that and you'll enjoy that. And once the baby's a few weeks old, you can bundle up the baby in a baby carrier and baby will probably enjoy that. And it'll be good for you to help you feel like you're getting out and you're starting to get back to yourself. Reading stories or reading books, there can be a particular time of day for that, a particular time when you may bring out the coloring books, or if you've got a preschooler and you want to do workbooks or something of that nature with him or her, there could be a time for that. There may be a time in the schedule where your preschooler plays alone and you write. Maybe right now during pregnancy you write or you read or you check your email or something else like that that's just for mama. And when your baby comes, that time might for a while be devoted to the baby. But your little one, your toddler or your preschooler will be used to that being an alone time where they play in a safe place by themselves. There may be a time when they're able to go out in the backyard or in the garden and play because you have a fence or a safe area for them. And they'll be used to that time too. These are all examples of things that you can use to fill their day. So quiet reading, Playtime alone, a certain time where they play on the floor with toys. If you desire, you might have a playtime with them at some point during the day. In the evenings, there could be a bath, or maybe you do a bath before Daddy's going to arrive home in the evening so that you have children who aren't all muddy, like my husband always sees. Whatever you do, though, um, 
whatever you do, you can just figure out what you like to do in your day, what's important and meaningful for you. Maybe you want to be able to have your child cook with you and you, you have a little time in the routine where everybody washes their hands and you pick up the living room and then at 11 a.m. you go into the kitchen and you work together on a simple meal and then at 11.30 or noon you sit down and you have your simple meal. And then maybe your child helps you wash the dishes or if they're still really little, maybe they're able to play in the cabinet with the pots and pans or play in the cabinet with the storage containers, the Tupperware or Rubbermaid containers and while you wash the dishes. So you just kind of think through things and you intentionally create a routine for the day or a gentle rhythm for the day if you prefer that. Those are all things that are good. And again, I've already elaborated on the benefits of those. So that helps hold your little one. As I said at the very beginning of talking about this, if you can do this during pregnancy, it works really well. You can also do it after your baby is born if you didn't start it during pregnancy, and you can just include the baby in that. And at first, you may find that things need to change. Every year when we start our homeschool year, I find things in the homeschool schedule I've planned out that I need to change. That's okay. Or you may get through what you've planned for the routine of the day through 9 or 10 in the morning, and then everything just falls apart and that's okay too so try and get to 9 or 9 30 again tomorrow morning and build gradually into a routine that works for you and your little ones boundaries is also a good thing to work on during pregnancy so your little one understands that when you say no that means no or when you say stop that means stop or when you say we're not going to go in there we're going to stay in here your little one learns that we're not going to go in there, and we're going to stay in here. These kind of boundaries are important because you want to make sure that your new baby is going to be safe around a sometimes rambunctious toddler or preschooler. And you also want to make sure you're going to stay sane and you can keep up with your toddler or preschooler while you're also mothering your new baby. Getting clear on boundaries and helping your little one come to understand that there are boundaries on his or her behavior is an important part of parenting and it's an important part of preparing for an enjoyable babyhood with your new baby where both you feel safe and secure and your toddler feels safe and secure and new baby feels safe and secure. And don't make the mistake of thinking that boundaries are a bad thing. Boundaries help your child feel more secure. So they're important for little ones. Let's shift gears completely now to a totally different idea. This is one of my favorite ideas for little ones. And I didn't do this for Galen and Honor before Corwin was born. They're my little ones now. Galen is about to turn five and Honor is two. I wish I had done this, but I had always done this previously. Where I put together a little activity bin. And an activity bin is especially good in those first two to three weeks where you're really taking it easy and you haven't started moving back into life as normal yet. What you do is you just get a bin, a a nice large container, and you fill it up with little treats and things for your child. When I say treats, I don't mean food, but things that are fun, not messy, but fun, Crayons and coloring books or coloring pages are a good thing. I had never had a child who liked to color on walls or anything until I got my honor, and she is a rogue colorer, so I have to watch her more carefully. But usually, children, when they're given a coloring page or a coloring book, will sit and color, and it can buy you 
a little bit of time. So coloring books are a good thing. A non-messy modeling material, like one of the polymer clays that that doesn't <laughs> crumble everywhere. You don't want to use something like Play-Doh or obviously not true uh, modeling clay because those crumble and get everywhere. But some of the clays are not messy when you play with them, and especially if you had your child at a table or a little desk while you were in the room with them. This would be a good thing and can often keep a child, even a, a toddler, entertained for quite a while. Flashlights can be really good. Little ones like flashlights a lot. Watch them with them for in case they figure out how to unscrew them and take the batteries out because they can do that. But often flashlights can provide lots of amusement and they're a very novel thing for children. A new toy or doll or stuffed animal, something like that. That's that's more traditional to get a child. And so you can, of course, include that, even saying it's from the baby if you want. That's a pretty traditional suggestion to help them feel that more welcoming of the baby and and a little bit less put out by the fact that there's a new person or put off by the fact that there's a new person. Uh, so you can do that in there, but I would recommend that be part of a whole bin of just fun activities. New books, some particular toys that may be good are things like lacing toys or sorting toys. These are things that engage your little one's mind, and especially if your little one uh, has that kind of a personality where they're really interested in that kind of thing, it can buy you quite a bit of time of peace that you wouldn't have otherwise. A stack of books that can be near you is also another good thing, especially if they're new books, especially if your child loves to sit and listen to books. You can just sit there with your baby nursing and read books to your preschooler for 30 minutes or an hour, and they often really enjoy that. This is also a time to think intentionally about media and media usage. What will I feel comfortable with? What would I not feel comfortable with? Maybe a movie a day for the early weeks, and then we'll wean off of the movies. Or maybe I don't feel comfortable with movies, but my child likes listening to stories, so we'll listen to some audiobooks. Some moms will get apps on their phone or on their tablet that are specifically geared towards little children and let their children play with those for a little while. We tend to have a pretty unplugged childhood for our little ones. On a day that I was sick or if I had a new baby and didn't have help, I've been blessed pretty much to have help after all of my babies recently. But if I didn't have that help or if I was really sick and didn't have backup help to come in, that's when I would consider these kind of things and that's when I would urge you to consider them because they can really help entertain children. But we also come, our family personally comes from a standpoint of definitely limiting screen time a lot to none in the early days especially now our children our little ones will see a documentary here and there just because they're watching it with the older ones as long as it's one that's appropriate for everybody or when they're really sick like when Galen got a really bad head injury recently my son is very clumsy he spent some time watching uh, watching some tractor and bulldozer videos and that sort of thing because he really likes that. So those are tools that can be used at times like that, but I wouldn't rely on them as a crutch. And I would even encourage you to think really hard and just be really conscious on to whether you want to include those even as a regular thing. So consider using them when you really need them in those early days 
and then wean off of them and away from them into a more creative, less screen-focused childhood, and uh, maybe save the creative screen time for when your child is old enough to be doing things like programming apps. Then the computer comes back in as a useful tool. Other things that are good suggestions. Stay in one room. This is one of my favorites. When my three little or my when my three oldest were little ones, we had a very tiny house and it made life a lot easier because we had one big main room and I could actually see their bedroom off of that room. And it made life really easy because things just didn't get quite as messy. Now we have a bigger house and it's harder because they spend some time in their bedrooms throughout the day, and we have a, a, a front room that's not used very much, but it's still got all of our school supplies in it. And that room just tends to get trashed, and the bedrooms tend to get trashed, and then the front room tends to get trashed. And so by the end of the afternoon, everybody's tired, and Mama's very cranky because the house is very messy. And you don't want that to happen to you when you have a new baby. So I would recommend liberal use of baby gates, If you have a climber who can't be kept in by one baby gate, I would encourage you to possibly think of stacked baby gates and other strategies to really keep your child in one room, in one main area, and you and the baby and the baby's supplies and your toddler or preschooler and their activities and supplies be in that area. It will save you a lot of stress. It will save you a lot of mess. Meals and snacks. Do freezer meals, if at all possible. Even if during your last, say, 8, 12 weeks of pregnancy, you double two to three meals a week and put the doubled portion into the freezer, you will end up with quite a nice freezer supply. And those meals are so wonderful after your baby comes because you can just thaw them or even some of them you can just put in the oven while they're still frozen and let it heat up, and you don't have to worry about it. I would recommend during pregnancy that you stock up your cabinets with things that you know your child likes and that are simple. You know, peanut butter, so that you can make easy peanut butter sandwiches, that sort of thing, or even deli meats that you've frozen so that you can make quick and easy sandwiches. You probably know what quick and easy lunches you and your child like, and I would recommend that you rely on those tailored to what your family eats, to special food, um, special diets, food allergies, that sort of thing. There are so many nowadays that I can't give too many specific recommendations, but you know what works for your family. And I would highly recommend that you have your cabinet stocked during pregnancy so those can be very easily done. Also, snacks are the same thing. Make sure that your cabinets are stocked and ready to go or your freezer is stocked and ready to go. When you're uh, 39 weeks, you may want to make a a grocery store run where you get things like oranges, frozen berries, cheeses, things that don't spoil very fast, and just have those ready in your fridge and your freezer for snacks for your little one. And if anybody asks, what can I do to help, you might say, Can you run by the store and pick up bananas or run by the store and pick up apples or whatever it is that your child likes? And then they can can help you out in that way to make mealtimes easier. Easy meals or easy breakfasts, easy snacks, easy lunches, and hopefully you've got freezer meals for your suppers. And that should 
relieve a lot of stress for you and help you maximize the time that you're spending with your children and not in the kitchen and also make sure that you keep your toddler or preschooler fed with relative ease. If your child, if it's just going to be you and the baby and your older child, your toddler, your preschooler, or both, I would recommend that you have their clothes somewhere that's really convenient to you. You might have their clothes in your bedroom right with your clothes and the baby's clothes so that you can just change them and take care of those needs for them, pajamas and things, really easily. Now, if they're going to be in their room and it's easier for you to get them dressed as soon as you get them up or get them ready for bed, Uh, just before you put them to bed at night, then it may make more sense to keep their things in their room. But especially if you're doing a family bed or if they're still on a toddler bed in your bedroom or some situation like that, it's probably going to help you to have their clothes nearby so that you can grab them easily and you're not going back and forth across the house while they're melting down and while the baby's melting down. Along the same lines as that, everybody should bathe at the same time. I don't mean that you need to put everybody in the tub at the same time, but having everybody in the bathroom at the same time can be helpful. Another thing to do during pregnancy is baby-proof whatever bathroom you'll be using. So if it's the master bathroom, go ahead and baby-proof that. Either take out anything that could possibly be dangerous or put latches on the door. And then you can bathe the little ones and get a shower or vice versa. You can get a shower and then bathe your toddler. You can have your baby in a bouncy seat or a swing or even on a towel on the floor right next to you while you're bathing your toddler. I would recommend that you be kneeling on a towel on the floor too, not trying to lean over the tub, especially not early postpartum. And if you're early postpartum and you're getting a shower alone in the first few days after your baby is born, please sit down or take a waterproof chair of some sort into the shower or sit on a cooler or a stool, something else like that. Just because in those first few days, if there's nobody there, which I would recommend somebody to be there, you don't want to be doing a lot of standing up in hot water or a lot of bending down and lifting up. And even really in the early days, unless your toddler is really messy, he or she could just miss a few baths and that would be okay. But afterwards, sometimes for your sanity and for the safety of yourself and your baby and your toddlers, if somebody needs to be in the bathroom for a bath or a bathroom visit, everybody should be in the bathroom. That means you know that they're safe and nobody's getting into anything and you're right there to make sure that nothing happens to anybody who may be in the bathroom. As your baby grows, there are things that you can do to help promote sibling harmony, so to speak, and to keep things moving smoothly. As I mentioned before, your baby will probably integrate well into the routine and do really well with that. So just integrate your baby into the day. Figure out how does baby work in this and what does baby enjoy in this. Another thing to consider is that your baby is here. Baby is part of the family now. When I said that, I said that really matter-of-factly. And that's the same way you should be with your toddler or your preschooler. The baby is here. Brother is here and part of the family. We love you. We love baby brother. Or sister is here. Sister is part of the family. We love you. We love baby sister. It's just matter-of-fact. You don't need to be apologetic You really don't need to be apologetic for spending time with your baby. You don't need to be apologetic that, oh, I know that you were the baby and I know you were used to being the only one or I know that you were used to being the little one. Don't be apologetic. 
it's just part of life. That doesn't mean you have to be cold. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you have to be mean about it. But just be matter of fact and calm. And also be happy, you know. Baby's here. We love the new baby. He or she is so sweet. Or when your child brings you something, and this is another good idea, and involve them in helping take care of the baby. Bringing you a diaper or... Um, bringing you a pad to put uh, when you're nursing or a burp cloth or bringing you the boppy or whatever else it is that you need to help with the baby. Or if they pat the baby because the baby's crying or if they tell you, Mama, the baby's crying. I love it when Honor tells me, Mama, Corwin's crying. And today I had to go take care of something else when Corwin woke up from his nap. So he was in his bed and he was kind of starting to fuss because he wanted Mama and he had seen me walk in the room and then walk right back out. And Honor went over to him and she was talking to him and offering him a toy. And it was just very sweet for her to be doing at two years old. She wanted to take care of him. And so encourage those kind of things. And when you see that, be happy. Uh, you don't have to be overly happy. You know, you don't have to be sappy happy. But be happy and let them know that, that they did something great and that they're an awesome brother or sister. And when they maybe aren't liking the baby so much, you just be matter of fact. If you can, then you can say, I'm going to hold you and cuddle you and you can sit here beside me with the baby. Uh, if it's a time when you really have to handle the baby, you just say, you know, the baby's upset right now and I need to take care of them. And we love the baby, and the baby will be done soon, and the baby will be calm or sleeping, and then Mama will spend some time with you. It's not apologetic. Or you may offer them something from the activity box, or offer them something else to help keep their attention occupied while you're taking care of the baby. But you're being matter-of-fact, and you're being calm about it. You can separate your older child and the baby if there are problems, such as if your older child seems to want to hit the baby or express anger in another way. Hopefully you will have set boundaries nicely during pregnancy, but sometimes little ones in the heat of the moment can lose control and pop or hit or kick or something like that, and then the baby's screaming, and the toddler is upset, and you're upset, and the mama bear instinct is probably rearing up. That's the point where you take your toddler and you set them aside. So you put a stool. My favorite thing to do is put a stool right next to me. If Honor and Galen, usually, it's between the two of them, not between them and Corwin. But if they're having a problem, set up a stool for each one beside me, and then they sit beside me for a few minutes. And that's usually enough for them to calm down and cool off. And a couple minutes later, they're telling me, Mama, I'm sweet now. And they want to go play with each other. Lectures don't generally work, but you want to be gentle and firm. I differ from a lot of schools of thought in this because I don't feel like tantrums and things are an appropriate mode of expression for little ones. I think that sometimes they're going to have a fit, but I don't think that just sitting there and letting them have an unregulated tantrum is good for them. They're totally out of control. It doesn't benefit them. It's not going to be a way for them to handle emotion. Again, I don't think that lecturing helps either, where you might tell an older child, a teenager, an adolescent, you might talk to them about their behavior. That's not going to work. Um, but I don't think that just letting them throw themselves down on the floor and scream or have a screaming fit benefits them or you. So just being calm and firm, maybe putting the baby somewhere safe, picking your child up, 
and letting him know that, you know, that's enough crying. It needs to stop. I'm holding you. We're going to take care of this now. Or you're going to sit beside me for a minute and then just let it calm down and let them know that that's not okay. That's what we, that's not what we do. And if we have a problem, we need to use words or we need to go take a minute away. Whatever you decide to do in your parenting method is what's going to work best for you. But I would encourage you to have some boundaries and consider, is this method of self-expression truly self-expression? Is this truly benefiting my child? Is this going to be safe for me and my baby? And how would I feel if this continues to continue? Is this a coping mechanism I want my child to learn? Um, Because sometimes when our children have tantrums as little ones, they continue to have tantrums. We just grow up and, or they grow up and we roll our eyes and say teenage tantrums. And then we roll our eyes when they become a man or a woman who's throwing books across the house or into the bathtub. Or who's screaming at drivers in traffic, essentially having the same tantrum that they had when they were two. And you don't want that to happen. You can't give them a lot of involved discussion like I'm giving you because you're an adult. But you can help them learn different ways to cope with strong emotions that do not necessarily involve tantruming that could end up with you having a nice little black eye and could end up with your baby screaming because a sibling has kicked them or something. I would recommend being calm and matter of fact. You don't want to get upset and have a tantrum either. But do be calm and matter of fact. And of course, encourage good. Like I said a minute ago, when they're helping you or when they're being sweet, patting the baby's head or offering to share a toy with the baby, hopefully you're helping direct that so that they're gentle. But encourage those things. Tell them that they're being a sweet brother and sister or they're a great brother and sister or thank you for doing that. It depends on what you feel about praise, but I think that it's good to encourage And always let your child make up something bad. So if they got frustrated sitting next to the baby and they started kicking and ended up kicking the baby and you've scolded them because, of course, the mama bear instinct reared up. And then a few minutes later, they want to bring a doll or a stuffed animal to the baby that, of course, the baby can't play with. But that's their way of making peace, of making up, of showing remorse. And you should encourage that and allow that to happen, even if it's awkward. Even if it just means you take the baby, or that you take the dolly or the toy for the baby and say thank you to your child and that the baby appreciates that. That helps your child resolve negative feelings that they may have within themselves because they know that they're not supposed to kick the baby. And this is their way of making a resolution and you don't want to brush that off. You want to let that happen because that's good. That's healing for you and your child and somewhere inside your baby's dreamy little baby head, it's probably resolution for him or her. Okay, so that's pretty much all that I had on this topic for today. I hope that I've given you some good ideas. I know I've given you ideas for during pregnancy. I hope a lot of those ideas can be applicable to once your baby is already here, and I've given you some ideas for once your baby's here, and I hope that those are helpful for you too. I would love to hear your feedback on this episode. If you could hop over to iTunes or go to the Stitcher directory um, or wherever you are listening to this podcast at and just let me know what your feedback is. Take a couple minutes and leave me a comment. I love hearing them or take just a couple seconds and leave me a rating. I really appreciate that. 
Again, our next couple of episodes are going to be Q&A episodes. You can email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com if you've got a question you'd like to ask. If you would like to hear updates on how the site redesign is going or you would like to hear as soon as the redesign is fully live, then you can do that by subscribing to the newsletter. The easiest way to do that is just hop over to trustbirth101.com and enter your email address there. That will sign you up for the newsletter, which I send out roughly once every week or two, sometimes a couple times a week if there's big stuff like the site redesign happening. And you'll also get uh, our natural birth preparation mini-series along with that, which is really great. I get a lot of good feedback on it. And if once you get the newsletter, you can also hit reply to any newsletter to let me know if you have a question. So that's another convenient way to get in contact with me. Having said that, I will see you in a couple of weeks and then a month from now with Q&A episodes and hopefully also a nice announcement for a live new website design soon and all of the exciting things that goes along with that and the new resources that we'll have going on for you during your pregnancy and preparing for birth and parenting your baby. Have a blessed day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.